Hello everyone, my name is Esteban Bustos. I am the pastor in the Spanish ministry at Christ Community Church. And for me it's an honor to share with you God's word today uh, during this summer of Psalms. Before we start, I want you to join me in prayer. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We pray, Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds so we can listen to your word, understand your word, and apply this word to our lives. We pray that by the end of this time, we are more like Christ, so we can give you the glory in everything we think and we do. In Jesus' name, amen. The psalm that I have chosen is Psalm 23, and the title for the message is The Lord's Shepherding, His Provision, and His Protection. We know that Psalm 23 is a very well-known psalm, uh, a commentator said that this passage is loved by people who love the Lord as well as by those who have little to do with the faith. So this psalm is even preached during uh, funerals or is, been, is read during hospital visitations and somehow even unbelievers find comfort in this psalm. The setting for the psalm, the setting for the psalm is unknown. The only thing we know is that David wrote it. Uh, and when David wrote it, according to the content of the psalm, we see that he was going through this valley of the shadow of death, meaning trials, and he was being threatened by his enemies. But before we start talking about the content of the psalm, I want us to look at something that many believers have overlooked. And this is the order of Psalm 22, 23, and 24. Why is Psalm 23 in between? First, we need to see Psalm 22 and see how the order of Psalm 22 before Psalm 23 fulfilled the purpose of pointing to the Messiah. We know that Psalm 22 is a psalm of lament. And we know this, this psalm is about Jesus because Jesus quoted this psalm and he said, this psalm is talking about me when on the cross, on Matthew 27, 46, and Mark 15, 34, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken? So Psalm 22 is speaking about the sufferings of the Messiah. And then we jump to Psalm 24. And Psalm 24 is a royal psalm. Royal psalm. And it speaks about the King of glory. Who is the King of glory? asks Psalm 24, 8. And the answer is, the Lord, the strong and the mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So Psalm 24 is proclaiming that Jehovah is the King of glory, the one sitting on the throne, the strong and the mighty. And in the New Testament, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, says the following about Jesus. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Psalm 22 speaks about the suffering Messiah, and Psalm 24 speaks about the King Messiah. But in between we have Psalm 23. On Psalm 23, Within the order of the Psalms in the Bible is the testimony of Jesus Christ 
recognizing that the Father is his shepherd and describes the provision and the protection from the Father to the Son. So now that you may, you may ask, so this psalm is about Jesus, right? The answer is yes. So now you will say, so how can we make this psalm applicable to us? And the answer is you can make it applicable to, uh, to you if you are in Jesus Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, that's what I said at the beginning, that even unbelievers make or try to make this psalm their own, but they can't because they are not in Christ. Only the people who are in Christ can sing this song of hope and say, the Lord is my shepherd. A commentator put it this way. We can read Psalm 23. First, is Christ's testimony to the Father as his shepherd. Then, those of us who find refuge in him as Psalm 2.12 says bless the ones who find refuge in him can sing the same sum of hope for ourselves so we need to understand that we cannot abuse this psalm and take it whenever we want just to give it give us encouragement although we don't know Jesus Christ because if you are not in Christ let me tell you something. The Lord is not your shepherd. And whatever you're going to listen today during this sermon is not for you. So before you try to make this psalm yours, make sure that you have repented of your sins and believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, I invite you today, right now, as you're listening to this sermon, to come in repentance to Christ to confess your sins to Christ and to throw yourself into Christ, to believe in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior. So you can enjoy the benefits of God being your shepherd. So I, I wanted to make this clear before we start. So today we're gonna meditate on God's provision and protection as the shepherd, and not just as the shepherd, but as the host so we can trust completely in God during these uncertain times. Let me repeat that again, that we're going to meditate today on God's provision and protection as the shepherd and the host, so we can trust completely in God during these uncertain times. We're going to have two main points in our sermon, which is going to be the work of the shepherd and the work of the host. And within those two main points, we're going to have sub-points and we're, I'm going to try to make it clear to you. So if you are taking notes, you, you have a clear what, what, what is each point. So the first one is the work of the shepherd. And we're going to focus on verses 1 and 4. And the second is the work of the host. And we're going to focus on verses 5 and 6. So before we continue, let's read the psalm. Psalm 23. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. 
Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we're going to start meditating with the work of the shepherd. And how is demonstrated the work of the shepherd? First, with the quantity of his provision. First, with the quantity of his provision. This is seen in verse number one, where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. The metaphor of the shepherd is well known in the Old Testament and identifies the name of God in relationship with his covenant. Isaiah 40, 11 says, God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Psalm 79, 13 says, but we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. So the psalmist, David, understands that the shepherd cares for the whole flock. But at the same time, the psalm teaches us that the shepherd looks after each sheep individually. We can see this in Luke 15, 1 through 7 with the parable of the lost sheep, where the pastor goes and brings back the lost sheep. So the question is, why does a sheep need provision and protection? R. McLean, one of our own, an elder of Christ Community Church who went home to be with the Lord, said the following, David considered the constant care that the sheep required, their helplessness and defenselessness, he recalled their foolish straying from safe paths, their constant need for a guide. He thought of the time and patience it took to care for his sheep. That's why Psalm 23 starts with the phrase, The Lord is my shepherd. This means that the Lord is my feeder, my sustainer, and my protector. All of these characteristics belong to the shepherd and gives confidence to the sheep that the shepherd will not let the sheep be cold, be hungry, or be thirsty. The reality of the protection and provision from God is seen in the result of God being the shepherd. And verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, my version says, I shall not want. Other version says, I lack nothing. So David is affirming that there is no lack or deficiency, of, or deficiency in the Lord's provision. And that's why we said at the beginning of this point, the quantity of his provision. There is no lack or deficiency in the Lord's provision. The result of God is our shepherd is not momentary. But the affirmation that says, I lack nothing or I shall not want, implies a continuous action that the psalmist experiences when God is his shepherd. During all seasons of life, continually God provides and we lack nothing. I always enjoy reading Ephesians 1.3 because it affirms that we have in Christ everything and that is the reason that we lack nothing. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ 
with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So if we speak about the quantity of deprivation, it's unmeasurable, unmeasurable, because we lack nothing as the result that the Lord is our shepherd. Think, uh, uh, continuing with the work of the shepherd, what is the second uh, demonstration that the Lord is our shepherd? It has to do with the quality of his provision, with the quality of his provision. In verse uh, 2, it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my souls. These two actions from the shepherd demonstrates God's care for his people. The verse begins describing the first act, the first act of the shepherd to care and to protect of his flock, and can be translated as he causes me to rest or to repose. This means that the shepherd takes his sheep to the greenest and most abundant pastures to feed them and allow them to rest. The next action done by the shepherd describes the kind of waters he takes his flock to. So the idea of these two actions of the shepherd, that he, leads, he, he makes me to lie down and he leads me beside the still waters, implies that the shepherd takes his sheep to a place where they won't just have water to drink, but of him taking them to a place where they can rest with water and I will refresh them from the intense heat of the desert. And where can we see this is in the next phrase, in the result, when it says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. The result of the shepherd's guidance, when the shepherd's guidance is that the sheep has been refreshed and had had their strength restored. The International Standard Version translates this verse, this result, as he revives my life. Another translation says, he renews my life. And even in Spanish, says he renews my strength. So these translations capture the sense of the passage in relation to the metaphor of the sheep. When the sheep is tired, and it seems like their body is weakening. It seems like they are hungry. It seems like the, feel, the sheep feel that they won't make it any inch forward. The shepherd finds the best quality of pasture and water to restore the sheep's strength. This means to cause something to come back to its original states. It's, it, cause, it causes something to come back to its original state. It is clear that the Lord says in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 29, He gives the strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak for the believer. This is interesting to think about this. It's not just that He restores me internally. It's not like in the metaphor of the sheep, it talks about 
restoring our strength to the point where we started. And the good shepherd also gives his life for the sheep. We, we see that in John 10, 11. And in order to give new life, says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when we are going through trials, we speak about the quality of the provision. And the quality of the provision is that when we are in Christ, we don't get whatever is left out. We don't get whatever God says, okay, this is the last resource for you. No, we get the best of the best from the God that can give the best of the best. In the metaphor of the sheep, it lies down in the greenest pastures it can find in the middle of the desert. And secondly, in the middle of the desert, it finds the best water with the purpose of restoring the sheep's strength. The same with us. When we come to Christ, He doesn't just make our lives better. No, He gives us a new life that is better than the one we had before we met Him, before we came to know Him in repentance and faith. He restores our strength as it was at the beginning. So we need to trust in God because we know that He's our shepherd. We know that He takes us to the best of the best. And thirdly, we're not going to see just the quantity of the provision, the quality of the provision. We're going to see in verses 3, uh, the second part, the consistency of the guidance. The consistency of the guidance. The verse says, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The phrase, He leads me, it means that the shepherd is causing the sheep to go on a certain path. And this path is the right path. The metaphor is translated as, He leads me in the right path. Or He leads me along the right path way so it is saying that the shepherd is leading the flock not to a place where, where the flock is going to be lost not to a place where the flock is going to be desperate but he's leading them in the right path that is going to get to the right place that god has prepared for them as the shepherd this path has a sure trajectory that will end in a place of wellness for the sheep god will never lead his flock on the incorrect path. But that doesn't mean that the shepherd will not guide his sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. It is in those valleys that the shepherd will always show the correct way and guide his flock back to the fold. And why is the reason of the consistency of the guidance. Why is God so consistent on taking us in the right path? Because of his character. And it says in verse 3 at the last in the in the last phrase that he does it because of his name's sake. And the words the word sake is generally used in the Bible referring to someone's reputation. In the Middle East, a shepherd, a shepherd's reputation depended on his ability to guide his sheep. 
If the shepherd lost his way, his reputation was tainted as he demonstrated the fact that he was not apt to fulfill his duty as a shepherd. But this doesn't happen with God because we see that Jesus says in John 10, 27 and 28, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. This verse is showing us that the good shepherd guides his sheep on the right path and makes sure that they will never perish, because no one can, can take them from the shepherd's care. God's reputation is at stake. And God's reputation will never be called into question or tainted by injustice. Therefore, we as believers can trust completely in God. As the psalmist said, In the guidance of the Lord I rest. Why? Because He will never make a mistake in the right path that He's taking me. And He will guide me in the path of eternal life. God is consistent in the guidance that He gives to our lives. He will never make a mistake because of His character, because of His name's sake. What a wonderful encouragement for us today. To know that if we are in Christ, we are being led by the Good Shepherd. And this leading, this guidance will never be wrong. We will never be in the wrong path. We will always be in the path of eternal life. The fourth thing I want us to see is not just the consistency of the guidance, but it is the timing for the protection. The timing for the protection. And this verse describes the most dangerous condition that the flock will encounter. It says, Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This verse describes the most dangerous condition that the flock will encounter. And the combination of shadow of death could mean the most profound darkness. The psalmist is saying, although I walk in the valley of the most profound darkness, I won't be scared. Why? Because the shepherd is leading me. So the, the, the psalmist is saying, although sometimes reality is going to include that in the right path, sometimes we're going to go through profound darkness. It could be a trial. It could be a situation that we don't know where the exit is. And maybe there are predators Threatening us, as same as the predators were threatening the sheep. There is the danger of death. But you know what? The shepherd, because of his reputation, he will guide you through the valley of the most dense darkness. You know why? Because the shepherd is the only one who knows the way. So why are we talking about the timing for the protection? Because the psalmist knows that although the time comes to go through the valley of the most profound darkness, 
which he calls the valley of the shadows of death. The result for somebody who trusts in the Lord is that he fears no evil. He feels no danger. He feels he fears no damage. Why? Because although we are exposed to danger, although we are exposed to damage, although we are exposed to evil, we are safe with the shepherd. We are safe with the shepherd. And when everything is dark and the path seems unsafe, the believer can trust in the wisdom of the shepherd to take care of him and provide and protect him and give him whatever is necessary to get him through the valley of profound darkness. And this protection is represented by the rod and the staff that the shepherd uses, not just to protect, not just to discipline, but to give comfort. The psalmist declares that the reason for trusting in the shepherd is because the shepherd knows where he's going and where he's taking his sheep. And the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. I love this part because many sheep don't know the voice of the shepherd because they don't know the shepherd. So in order for us to listen to the voice of the shepherd, we need to know the shepherd. That's why in Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said this, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the sheep is learning about his shepherd. And the believer constantly recognizes that the reason he doesn't fear difficult circumstances is because he knows that Jesus is with us, is with us every day until the end of the world. So metaphorically, the shepherd's rod. And the shepherd's staffs, staff gives comfort and calm the, neighbor, the nervous sheep. We need to trust in our God because he's our shepherd. And we see the reality with the metaphor of the sheep. And we see although the sheep sometimes goes astray, sometimes that's not what they are doing, but the shepherd is there and the sheep need to trust in the shepherd because the wisdom of the shepherd surpasses the wisdom of the sheep, the lack of wisdom that the sheep has. So I encourage you today within the work of the shepherd to trust in the shepherd, to trust that he's going to take you to the greenest pastures, to trust that he's going to take you to the best water there is. And although you go through the dark, the, the, the paths of profound darkness, you're still on the right path, but you're following closer the shepherd and listening closer to his voice. Secondly, the second point uh, that we're going to meditate today is not just the work of the shepherd, but the work of the host. And this is found in verse 5. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The second metaphor changes from the sheep to the host and the banquet. And, the, and this phrase that says, you prepare a table before my enemies, makes a, 
the same idea gives the same idea of the valleys of shadow of death. In this time are the enemies who are these valleys of profound darkness, where the psalmist is worried about his enemies. But then the metaphor tells us that the host welcomes the guest. An ancient custom required the host to provide food and to provide protection at all costs to the one he invited. The same way the shepherd protects and provides for his sheep. The guest who was running away from his enemies could trust in the host's capacity to protect him from his enemies. Because the host, God, who is the host, provides security and provision to the believer even in the middle of an attack from his enemies. And how is demonstrated the works of the, the work of the host? How is demonstrated the work of God as the host? First, it says, you anoint my head with oil. In the midst of running from his enemies and getting to the host's house, to the host's palace, and being invited to this banquet, it says that the host anoints the head of the guest with, with oil and describes the care that the host has for the guest. Describes the custom of offering to the guest oil to refresh themselves after being outside in the sun and the sand. In Spanish, this verse is translated as follows. You fill me with happiness. In this verse says, you anoint my head with oil, but in this translation, which is called the living translation, says you fill me with happiness. This means that the host provides oil to, the, to refresh his guest and symbolizes the care from God that looks to the well-being and happiness of his children. And it's, just, it's not just the refreshment, it's not just the protection, but it is the abundant provision that the guest gets from the host. Look what, I, what it says. My cup overflows. My cup runs over. This is the evidence of the constant and abundant provision from God. To fill the cup is evidence of the abundant blessing that the believer receives from the Lord is the sign and the evidence of the abundant blessing that the guest that the guest receives from the host. So in these times, in these uncertain times, where are we running? Where are we going towards? Are we running from the situation? Are we trying to deny the situation, or we are running towards Christ? Where are we? taking refuge in Christ. We are going to the palace where we know there is Christ who is offering all the heavenly blessings that we have in Him. Are we going to run away from Him? Or we're going to come to the place where we know we're going to find, we're going to find refreshment. We're going to find happiness. Because God is looking for our well-being. And that's what the psalmist concludes the psalm with. When he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days 
of my life. After meditating in these two realities of the work of the shepherd and the work of the host, after meditating on all the blessings from the Lord as the shepherd and the host, the psalmist, the psalmist concludes with two words that describes the continual blessing from the Lord. And these two words are goodness and mercy. These are the two things, the two characteristics of the Lord as a provider and protector of his children. And these two words stand in contrast with the enemies described in verse 5. Because by using the same verb to chase or follow after something, used usually with the enemies that are chasing the person to kill it, in this case, in verse 6, the same verb is used to say that God is chasing after the ones he loves with goodness and mercy. Before the enemies were chasing you, now God is chasing you to fill you with blessings, with goodness and mercy, or could be translated with goodness and loyalty. The goodness emphasizes the provision of God, and the loyalty or mercy emphasizes the protection of God. And the result is what? That these two things representing God, will chase me, will chase after me, will follow me all the days of my life. This describes the certainty of the psalmist about the blessings of God acting always in his favor. Israel knew that, that Jesus, that God is acting in their favor. And we see that on the cross. Jesus Christ acting in our favor, dying on the cross for our sins. So we can have a new life. And we see that now when we are in Christ and all the blessings, all the heavenly blessings have been given to us through Jesus Christ. So we will not dismay. We will not quit. Why? Because although reality is tough. God is chasing us with goodness and mercy. And the psalmist ends up saying that the place where he wants to be is the place where God is. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because he knows that in that place he has what he needs. Provision and protection. I want you today, if, if, if nothing stays with you about this sermon, if you forget everything, remember these things. We need two things to live, provision and protection, and God offers them both. And not just that, but He offers abundant provision and certain protection that nobody can touch us, even the enemy. Although we could walk through valleys of profound darkness, Still the shepherd is chasing us with goodness and mercy. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word today. We pray that this word goes into the deep parts of our heart and transforms us. Thank you because you're merciful. Thank you because you are good. We pray that at the end of this sermon, we are challenged to apply this word to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen.